Man, let's give applause for our Lord, how great thou art. What a way to end it. In your Bibles, over in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And um, if you're watching, or if you're new here this morning, um, I'm Pastor Lucas Cunningham. And so, so glad to have you here. And if you're new, uh, I'm fairly new. I still have the new smell, I think. Uh, it came in June. And so, but I'm from Cincinnati originally and have family in Cincinnati and even up in this area as well. I have an aunt and uncle that live in Xenia, Beaver Creek area. But, uh, but anyway, so good to have you here. And so we're in this series called Family Matters. And I wanted to tackle the issue of parenthood. As it's been said, there's no hood like parenthood. And uh, it's very, uh, very true. Here in Deuteronomy 6, we're going to start in verse 5. And it reads, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you were on the road and when you were going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your gates. You really could say that if Hobby Lobby had a Bible verse, this would be the passage <laughs> right here. Let us pray. Father, we come before you thankful for our families. There's not one family that anyone's a part of that is perfect. They have their sin issues. They have their hang-ups. They have their struggles. But you love our families, and you've called us to lead them well, to love our children, to love others, and to point them to you. And I pray that in our families that we will continue to be witnesses, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can save our families, that can right the wrong, that can help steer us in the, on the right path is you. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us be better fathers, mothers, grandparents, aunt, uncles, and uncles uh, in our lives. We love you. Speak through this message here this morning, God. May your name be lifted up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have three children, um, 18 15, really soon to be 19, 16, and 10. And, and so we were done at two children, and my wife was done. We were good. We were out of diapers. And you know, when you get out of diapers, it's a whole nother world. You're like, this is what it's like. This is wonderful. And, and your children are at the age where you can go to a restaurant and enjoy the meal without them screaming throwing stuff and causing a distraction long story short my wife got pregnant five six weeks into the pregnancy she had a miscarriage and wasn't really planned and she's like I want another one and I'm like okay so here came Grant Grant and um, you know I'm the oldest of four boys and so growing up I noticed as the oldest you are the test baby you are the test child you are the first one to drive. 
You're the first one for school. You're the first one for everything. And by the time you get to the last kid, it's like, just give the baby what he wants. <laughs> you think about it. I mean, with the first kid, when they would drop the pacifier out of their mouth, you freaked out as a parent because I remember when we, t- we brought Gracie home and I never had a girl, right? So, I, I mean, I just had brothers. So it was rough and tough in the Wild West. And, and I'm like, I don't, do I, as I'm putting her clothes on, like, I don't want to break her. And like, they're more bendable than you realize, you know? And, and um, but that first baby, when they drop the pacifier, you pick up that pacifier and you, you, well, you don't even clean it. You give them a new one because you don't want that baby to mess with that old pacifier. And, you know, you may even throw it away like it fell on the ground. The second child comes around and the pacifier drops. You wipe it off a little bit. And if there's no faucet, you, you'll kind of just, you know, wipe it off a little bit on your shirt <laughs> and give it to the kid. The third kid comes around and the pacifier drops. You just hand it to the dog and then you pop it back in. <laughs> You do what you have to do. And children can be a blessing. They are, they are a blessing from the Lord. <laughs> but there are times you wonder. I remember once, true story, we were in Walmart in St. Augustine, Florida. And Grant was around three, maybe four. And he threw a fit. And I mean the mother of all fits, just a big fit. And I was just had enough. And he's on the ground, he's throwing stuff, he's just being loud and screaming at the top of his lungs. And then we're at the back of Walmart, I pick the kid up, I throw him over my shoulder. We're in the toy section. I pick him up on my shoulder and I just walk down the center aisle out and he is screaming. I'm screaming, no, put me down, no. And all of Walmart is looking at me. And, of course, they're thinking he's stealing a kid. But I was so angry, I didn't care. And I thought, someone might call the cops. But then I was like, jail doesn't sound that bad right now. (laughs) We get to the car, I put him in a seat, and that little booger is holding two toys he had stolen from Walmart. I didn't go to jail, I did take the toys back, and they did not run me down. But man, children will test every ounce of patience you have, and they are a blessing from the Lord, they really are. And there, there's, there's no, um, if you have children and you know this, you love them, you would die for them, and sometimes you have a hard time, like in that situation, you just want to get away. But God has called us to something special, to raise children for the Lord. And something that's always boggled my mind a little bit is when it comes to our children, um, we will feed them. We will make sure that they're, they are fed, that they have all the clothes that they need, that they have all their school supplies, that they are all set up. We want to know how their relationships are going. Are they making friends and so forth? Good, responsible things that we should care about as parents. But when it comes to faith, there are some parents 
who go, well, I don't want to force that on my child. As you read the Word of God, as Christians, as Christians, we are called to guide our children. It's almost like um, the cement is wet. It can be molded. It can be moved. It can, you know, whatever. And it's eventually going to dry. It's going to harden. And it's going to be what it's going to be. It's a little bit like that with children. But I've heard some go, well, I'm just, I'll just have my children make their own decisions. And when we believe God's word and we believe the Bible, we believe in a literal hell, we believe in a literal heaven, we believe God is real, we believe Satan is real. And when it comes to faith, just to go, well, just let them figure that out on their own. I believe biblically, not just in my own opinion, biblically that's one of the most irresponsible things we can do as Christian parents. Truly. Now, you cannot make your child love Jesus. You could do everything right. Raise them in church. Take them this. Take them that. You did everything right, and they rebel, and they go away from the Lord. That's not your fault. That does happen. It does. Even to the best of parents. And maybe some of you are experiencing that right now, and it breaks your heart. Keep praying for them. Keep loving on them. You never know what the Lord is going to do. But as parents on our end, we can do our part. You see, the average parent gets about 3,000 hours a year with their children. Schools get about 1,200 hours a year. The church gets around 50 to 60 hours a year. Now, that's pretty typical in most places. And I don't want to minimize the importance of coming to church. But what I do want to focus in on is parents. The church is, is, is designed to come alongside you in your parenting, to encourage you, to help you. But the church was never designed to do the job of you teaching faith to your children alone. It's to come alongside you, and you must need, you need to do your part of teaching your children to pray, of being in the Word of God, and there's things you need to do in your home to lead your family and to lead them well. And the fact that you're here this morning and you brought your child to, um, and maybe they're in nursery right now, they're in kids' church, or maybe they're even in here with you right now, that is wonderful, and that is definitely a part of the equation, but a huge part a huge part that you get of this 3,000 hours a year, what are you going to do with those 3,000 hours? If they're just getting the 50 hours at church, they need that. It's good, but they need more than just that. You see, as parents, we escort our children through life. We get approximately you know, 18, 18 years with our children, and then they go off. Now, maybe we get longer, um, and, 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 and which, is, which is fine, which is good, until they reach about 30, and they're living in your basement, playing video games. That's a little different story, but, but you get it. You only get so much time, and then they become an adult. They start to have their own life. They marry that special someone. They start to have a, make a family of their own. That's the natural order of things, and um, it, it, but your, your job is to escort them. You don't own them. You're living 
um, on borrowed time when it comes to your children. That's what it is. And God set it up that way. And our families, they really are a gift from the Lord. Our children are a gift from the Lord. And, and if our family is a gift from God, we should take that responsibility seriously. Families matter, and they matter to God. And the job of a parent is to be the filter, filter in their homes. Just as water filters keep the impurities out of your water, mom and dad, your job is to filter your homes, to point them to Christ, to, as Scripture says here, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this is what you do in your household. This is how you do that. This is how you love your children. This is what you do. This is what you do with that. And we live in a society today that says, why would you need to filter your children? Just let them figure it out on their own. You know, I heard someone say once that, well, you know, um, do I have the right to check anything in my child's bedroom? Do I have the right to check my child's phone? Well, I'm paying for it, so I will check it the way I want to check it. If I want to look in your room, I pay for it, I'm going to check it. The preacher, that's a little insensitive. I don't care. As I heard someone say once when I was asking for motherly advice, I love this one. It was around Mother's Day, and this was one given to me. It says, it was, I am not your friend, I'm your mama. Now, mamas, dads, you want to be their friend as they become an adult? By all means, that's good. But that child that's under your roof, they call them a dependent legally because they are dependent on you to be that filter, to be that godly example, to lead them well. And you weren't called to be their friend. You were called to be their dad. You were called to be their mama. And sometimes that means, in their mind at least, um, doing the job that even when they don't like it, even when they may even look at you and say, I hate you, or I don't like you, or I don't want to be around you, that's okay. That comes that comes with that territory. So we escort our children. We filter our family. And it's important that as well as parents that we discipline our children in a loving, kind, and also in a structural way. And we live in a society that does not like to teach or preach sacrifice in any way. This idea of Men, you must sacrifice for your family. Or ladies, you must sacrifice for your family. And we don't, we don't like the idea of sacrificing anything. In fact, our culture says, uh, the world today says, don't marry, don't have kids, don't join anything. You need to preserve your freedom. But I'll say this. I'll say, I'll sacrifice freedom for family any day. Family is worth it. The Hebrews were successful at making religion a part of their life. And the reason for their success, and when it came to religious education, when it came to them teaching the things of God, it was that it was life-oriented. It was not information-oriented. Now, I want to minimize information, but it was life-oriented. People have asked my parents... 
how did you have two boys who are in the ministry and your other two boys are faithfully serving in church? And I've thought about that through the years. And here's my answer. There's no perfect parents. My parents are not perfect. My parents have things that drive me crazy. But I think growing up and watching them, um, there's things that you see that in your, in, in your parents, like, well, they're not good at that, or they're like this, or they're, so on. But you know what my parents didn't do? They were not self-righteous. They didn't pretend they always had it all together. And they loved us. They sacrificed for us. And they were willing to make connections. It's been said that children spell love, T-I-M-E. Very true. At the end of the day, your child really doesn't care how rich you are, how educated you are. They care if you will spend time with them and invest in them. That's what they really care about. That's what they really care about. And so that's what I noticed. I had parents that loved Jesus. They weren't hypocrites at home. They weren't, you know, saying one thing in church and then, you know, something different at home. They were the same in church as they were in, uh, in, at our home. And I think that's key. I, I really do. And, and, and I always tell my children, like, listen, I don't, I don't care what you end up doing for a living, but if you want to make me proud, it's very simple. If you want to make me proud, you want to make your father proud, I, I want you to love Jesus, and I want you to raise your family in church. And whatever you do, do it for the Lord. If you're a doctor, praise God. If you're a lawyer, praise God. If you end up being a pastor, then praise God. You're not going to be daddy called and, or, you know, and mama sent. Like, if you want to go in the ministry, like, hey, wonderful, great, that's noble. If you want to work at McDonald's, I better get free hamburger. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but they love the Lord, and they showed that. And so here we see that as the Hebrews, the children of Israel, were being challenged, they were challenged to teach the Lord's commands diligently to their children. Not just once, not here and there, but diligently. Uh, to also internalize the Lord's commands. Not just internalize, but then to practice the Lord's commands and display the Lord's commands. And so I said jokingly, Hobby Lobby your house. Hobby Lobby your house. Have Bible verses. Have Bible saying, like, have it in your home that your children see it. They'll remember it. You ever remember um, that old painting? We had one in our house growing up of, it was uh, an older man. He was praying over his piece of bread, like an old painting. I don't know who wrote it, you know, wrote it, uh, drew it originally, but, or painted it. But I remember that as a kid. And just having that picture of the reminder of, we thank God for our food. We thank God in our house. Teach your children to pray. The younger you start with them, the better. You know, pray with them. Share God's word with them. And you will reap the benefits. They'll remember that, of praying with mom and dad, of praying um, when you're um, you know, around the dinner table. Pray with them publicly. When you 
when you go to a restaurant, pray. The people are watching. Pray anyway. If you go to McDonald's, really pray and pray over it. But when the church becomes optional to us as parents, more than likely it's going to become unnecessary to your children. Church takes priority. I remember growing up, if we were sick, then that was understandable. That was understandable. But we always tried to make church. We were consistent, especially Sunday morning. We were in church. We did not go do other things. If we had a soccer game, if it was after church, fine. If it was going to be in the middle of church, church came first. To a preacher, my kid won't get a scholarship. More than likely, they're not going to get one anyway. I'm just going to break it to you. (laughs) Just no one's told you that yet. And I love sports. I grew up playing baseball, basketball, soccer. I get it. And sports has gone to another level with some of the different leagues that are out there. And I'm not saying they shouldn't play in some of those leagues. But I'm also saying that when we take anything and we put it before church consistently, we're sending a message to our children. It's just not that important. You see, it's what we see biblically when it comes to disciplined parents who discipline their child and undisciplined parents. Undisciplined parents rescue their child from consequences. Children are going to mess up. There's a saying I heard someone say once that you either win or you learn. It's very true. When you have a game in which you lose or you lose in life, you can just lose or you can learn. And I choose to learn. But scripture says this in Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. It's the principle of what goes around, comes around. It's in God's word. It's in God's word. And so in God's divine economy, He set up a world of a system of consequences. Does God forgive? Yes. Should we forgive? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean there's no consequences. There's a consequence in law. You may forgive somebody of something they did, but they broke the law, and they have to face the consequence of what the law says. And so you live according to his word. There will be blessings. You live outside the parameters of his word. There will be consequences. That's how it is. And what happens, unfortunately, is sometimes as parents, because we love our child so much, we'll swoop in and we won't always let our child experience the consequence of the decision in which they've made. Maybe, <clears throat> maybe it was a school project. And like all good school projects, you find out about it about 9 o'clock at night, the day before. I get it. Part of you wants to swoop in and save your child from it and help them. But when you swoop in, you also are teaching them. That's okay just to procrastinate. That's okay not to plan. That's okay to, um, you know, come and just not have a plan all together. There's consequences. Maybe you gave that child and you gave them money for lunch. 
And that little booger decided they were going to spend it on candy the day before or saw a favorite toy in which they had. And you think, my precious baby can't miss lunch. He'll swivel up and die if he didn't miss his lunch. Pain is a good teacher, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying let your child starve, but them missing one meal will do them some good. They're going, I'm so hungry. I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Let that little one starve for at least one meal. And you know what? They'll think to themselves, I'm going to save my money. I remember how that pain felt. Pain, and to a certain degree, I get it. We as parents want to protect our children from experiencing life's pain. We don't want them to know like how bad life can be. Like the world is, the world can be a brutal place, and many of us <coughs> we've experienced it. But a little bit of pain under your guidance and care is far better than learning that pain out in the real world. A little bit of pain is good for them. And it will help them. It will teach them. See, undisciplined parents are often inconsistent. Inconsistent. You remember, um, and I think they still make these, Etch-A-Sketch? You draw something with two knobs, and then, then it got to a point where, and some people are amazing at Etch-A-Sketch. I never, never was, and you'd shake it. And, and so maybe you're familiar with that. If you're not, they, um, they use them for computers in Alabama. I don't know if you've ever seen that. That's what they <laughs> use down there. I'm sure someone today is from Alabama, and they're like, you know. But a lot of us, when it comes to our parenting, we will almost like show the boundary to our child. See, this is the line. This is the boundary. Whether it's a boundary we set up or we said this is what God has set up. And what happens is the child, like any child does, they, what will they do? They will go up and see how close they can get to the line. They will. And we'll see how close they can get to the line. They just want to know what's on that line. Now, some of you know, I grew up on a farm. And on the farm, we had cattle. We have horses. My parents still live on the farm. And I remember when my father ended up getting his first electric fence. Now, I'm little. I'm I'm like seven years old. And my dad would always jokingly say, touch it. See if it bites you. That's a sign you shouldn't. But what do you think in your mind? You're like, but will it? Should I touch it? Because a part of you, it's the unknown. You're like, I just, it's just a little wire. It's only one. You got this big old fence and just this little wire. And you think, if I touch it, will it really bite me? It cannot really hurt that bad. And so, of course, my brother Matt and I, we touch it. And if you've never touched an electric fence, you should try it sometime. (laughs) I wasn't going to tell this, but I'll tell it anyway. So shortly after, my father was working on the electric fence, and it was unplugged. 
And he never had it wrapped around his hand. And I'm seven. <laughs> it bit me. And I thought, you know what? It should bite my father too. <laughs> I plugged it in. He hollered, he screamed, and we laughed. That's what we did. And then we ran. Proverbs tells us this, Proverbs 29. It says, a rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will delight, bring delight to your soul. Children need discipline. So the Bible says, discipline your son. It will give you peace. When you start disciplining them as they are young, you will not have to discipline as they get older near as much. They need discipline. Discipline lets that child know that they are loved, even even though they don't like it. They need discipline. They need direction. There's things they simply do not know, and they need to know it. And so when you end up having a line here, and then you move it the next day, or you move it later on, it messes kids up. They need to know where the line is. And when they cross that line, there's a certain amount of discipline. There's different types of discipline, but they need discipline. They need direction. And some discipline for some kids works diff- differently. Uh, for, for myself, I, I, you know, I had plenty of meetings with the Board of Education. And it imparted a lot of wisdom into my life. And there was never once thinking, looking back, that I wasn't like, you know what? I didn't deserve that. No, I deserved every single one of those, um, of those paddlings I received. Every one of them. Now, my brother Matt, he really deserved all of them. But, <laughs> but my brother Matt was one where um, you, you could, he would get paddled, but then he would go do it again just because he wanted to. But if you were to take my brother Matt and put him in his room for an hour, it just tortured him. He's an outdoors guy, always has been. And so my mother had to discipline him differently than, he did, than she did me. Some children are a little bit different. Some are more headstrong. And, and, but nonetheless, we all need discipline. And I want to encourage you as parents um, to just as... Just as any mechanic has different tools, as anyone who's in construction has different tools for different situations, as parents, you need different tools. Now, maybe in your household, like, you don't use a paddle, and that's not what you do. I don't want to knock that. That's what you do. Um, But for our family, we do that. And um, I, I think it helps greatly. Pain's a good teacher. I'm not talking about abusing your child, but properly paddling your child, I believe, is good for them. It's good for them. But if you were to paddle your child for every single thing they do wrong, I think that's wrong. I think that's poor parenting. How so? Because you're doing the same thing over and over again for every situation. It's kind of like trying to take a three-pound hammer and trying to kill a fly. Eventually, you'll maybe get lucky and kill a fly. But a fly swatter would do. There's different tools for different situations is what I'm saying. And as parents, we make mistakes and sometimes using the wrong tool. But a wise parent will learn. A wise parent will go, okay, maybe they just need to stand in the corner for a certain amount of time. Maybe we need to take away this phone. Maybe we need to take away driving privileges. Maybe we need to take away this certain video game. 
there's different ways with different children on how to go about it. And so we want to be wise when it comes to discipline. You may have a special needs child, and physically disciplining your child would not be the way to go. But there's always a way to still discipline them. You just need to find that correct tool that will work. Amen? Like there's different tools and ways of doing it. And so undisciplined parents as well, are not, they're not unified. Now this can be a tough one when it comes to um, homes that, um, where, where you, have a, um, you have a broken home or you end up having a home that is, has merged in with another home and um, can be quite difficult. First, parents, you're together, be unified. Be unified. More than likely, usually one parent is more strict. Maybe one parent is more the disciplinarian. The other one's a little more lax about it. And, and it kind of goes with your gifting and how you're, you're wired. And that's okay. That's okay. There's probably times where the stricter one needs to show more grace. And there's, there's times where the one who shows a lot of grace probably needs to be a little more strict. But this is what you do need to do. You need to be on the same page. Because let's face it, what do children do? They seek they seek, they roam to and fro, seeking to who, may they, who, who they may devour, right? Like who, who they may split. How can I, um, you know, get a yes from mom, and a, I, even though I got a no from dad, or vice versa? Like they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to, you know, do that equation of how they're going to go about um, their plan. You need to be unified. You need to be unified. And there's no excuses for it. Get on the same page. It's important. Now, maybe you're part of a blended family. And, one, and I realize blended families can be very difficult because maybe you and your spouse, you don't get along, you disagree. Like that can be, man, that could be really tough. As much as possible, you need to be unified. As much as possible, it can be tough. But maybe you're here and you're part of a blended family. And what can happen in a blended family at times is that there can be this mentality of, well, those are your children and these are my children. Biblically speaking, when you come together and you both have children, you should have the mentality that is, that is also my child. See, but they have a dad involved in life. A absolutely, and that's good. And you, you're not going to take that place of that father or that mother. But in a different sense, in a different way, you also become a symbol of parenthood. And biblically, that child, if they're underneath your roof, becomes your child as well. And what will hurt your parenting is if you end up going, you know what, that child's your child, and this child's my child, and you show favoritism. It hurts the family. So biblically, what should you do? Take the, take, the, take the view, take the mentality of, you know what, I'm going to love that child like they are the, my, they're my own. They're a preacher, man. They're a teenager, and that's tough. Didn't say it would be easy. Didn't say that, man, that, these, that everything, what I'm talking about when it comes to blended families, that it's not at times that the waters are not muddied and things aren't real clear. And you need prayer and, and wisdom and <clears throat> you need clarity from the Spirit, no question. But as much as possible, as much as possible, even in our families that are messed up and jacked up at times, try to get on the same page. Try to be unified the best that you can. 
So what are some parental guidelines that we need that we also see biblically? Disciplined parents correct out of love. They don't correct out of anger. They correct out of love. It is correction not because we are powerful parents, but it is driven out of a heart of love for our children. Hebrews tells us this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 and 6. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Interesting enough, this word discipline doesn't always mean like the Lord punishing you for doing wrong. In fact, in this passage, the word discipline has to do with um, preparation. Think of an athlete. Think of an athlete practicing, training. What is he getting? He's getting ready for game day. And so this word discipline, yes, sometimes it means that you've done wrong and the Lord is disciplining you, but sometimes it means that the Lord is prepping you. He's training you. Why? For something greater coming up. So whom the Lord loves, he disciplines when they get out of line, yeah. But whom the Lord loves, he trains. He gets ready. And maybe right now, maybe right now, you're in a position in your life where you're like, I haven't done anything wrong, but I'm going through some tough stuff, and I don't know why. The Lord's training you. He's prepping you. And you should be glad. I mean, I don't know how many people, like, you just loved practice. I remember... I. I I loved basketball practice the first couple weeks. And I'm like, I'm over it. I don't want to do basketball practice anymore. But you showed up anyway because you knew it was good for you. You knew that there was times in which you're running for soccer and you're running three or four miles. How you're just getting ready for practice. You're like, why do we got to run three or four miles? Because you need to be ready for game day. <clears throat> it wasn't that the coach hated us. No, he wanted us to be ready. He wants us to be ready to go. And so when it comes to our children... You need to discipline them. Not just when they get out of line, but get them ready. Get them prepped. My father worked for Ford. My dad, man, there was times he was working 70 hours a week. There was times my mother didn't always work, but there was times she was working, and my father would leave a list. These things need done before I get home. Okay. Sometimes that involved us moving firewood, such, on the farm, doing farm-like stuff, and we had to figure it out. He had showed us, he taught us, he had trained us. What was he doing? Just as a loving father should, he was keeping his children busy, keeping us focused, training us and teaching us how to work. That's what fathers do. And so give your children those chores. Chores are some of the best things you can give your children. Have them clean the kitchen. Have them load the dishwasher. Have them feed the dog. Have them whatever you got going on around your house. You probably don't live on a farm. If you're on a farm, man, you can give them even more things to do. It's great. But it teaches them. Clean the bathroom. Listen, it's good for a child to clean a toilet. It's not my precious baby. They might get a disease. Trust me. They've ate food off the ground and you didn't know about it. They already have the disease, all right? <laughs> but it's good for them to clean the toilet. It teaches them some humility. It teaches them that things just don't clean themselves. 
It's good for them to learn that skill. And it also will give them a good sense of pride in the home. Of that, you know what? I'm a part of this. I know how to clean. I know how to do these things. It helps them. They need that discipline of learning certain skills. They need that. It's good for them. And so if you find yourself consistently nagging and yelling and bribing and threatening, you're losing the battle. You're losing the battle. And in fact, the kiddos are, are um, in control of you instead of you in control of the situation. And so what we do sometimes as parents, when we feel like we've lost control of the situation, we yell. Yeah, now, listen, every parent, there may be some exceptions, but you've yelled before out of aggravation. You've yelled because you've told them three or four times and they still didn't do it. And you're just about ready to lose it, right? We've all been there. We've all been there. You know, I remember um, I stopped this with my daughter, but when she was little, she was the first girl and uh, only girl I ever had. And um, when she was little, and she was so cute, and she's two, three years old, and I would go, one, two, you know what happened, right? She waited till three. Eventually, I had to stop counting because I realized I was training her to not really worry about one. Don't even worry about two. But three? Maybe something might happen. I mean, I had a tough time, like when she was little, like only girl. Like, I don't know what to do with that. And maybe you're that way. I get it. I get it. But as soon as you start yelling, you're the one out of control, and you're telling that child that they are now in control. And so, discipline correctly, discipline under control, and bring the pain. Bring the pain, baby, because you might just have to get their attention. Listen, when you bring the pain and have a way of form of discipline, <clears throat> you don't have to yell. You don't have to nag. You don't have to beg because pain is a good teacher. It is. I heard a pastor friend say once, most people don't change because they see the light. They change because they feel the heat. It's true. It's true. And our children are the same way. When they feel the heat, they go, oh. If you have to yell constantly at your children, it's time to change your parenting. But I was raised that way, preacher. Doesn't matter. It's time to change your parenting. Because good parents are going to go, you know what? I'm going to get better at this. There's not one parent here that is a perfect parent. I know probably all of us go, you know what? My parents weren't perfect. I'm sure I got it all covered. I got it all figured out here. You eventually realize you do not. And so show yourself some grace. Show your parents some grace that raised you. And hopefully your children will show you some grace and they'll share some grace to your grandchildren in time. A child who has not been disciplined with love by this little world will be disciplined without it by the great big world, Zig Ziglar. Don't allow your children's sin nature to determine their future. Instruct, correct, rebuke. A child should be under loving authority. See, disciplined parents know that their example matters. It's said that more is caught than taught with your children. 
Now, parents, if you love Jesus, you're in the Word, church is important, you're listening to, man, listen to, the, to uh, whether it's talk radio, you're listening to a podcast, and it's, it involves the things of God, you're listening to the Word of God, you're listening to Christian music, like you love Jesus, more is caught than taught when it comes to children. It just is. Because they're going to see, okay, I know mom and dad aren't perfect, but are, do they really love Jesus, or do they just go to church, and then they live like hellions through the week? And man, if you want your child to run from church as soon as they can... Not, none of us are perfect, but be completely opposite at church than Monday through Saturday. Just be completely the opposite. And your child is going to jet the other way as soon as they possibly can. They just will. I'm just telling you. Now, like I said, every parent, you can do everything right and a child jet the other way. I get it. But they're going to see, why would I want a Jesus that hasn't changed my father or mother? When they are that way at church and completely different at home. Is that the Jesus that, I don't want that Jesus. That's exactly what they're going to see. Exactly what they're going to see. But when they see a father and a mother that will pray over their family. That will pray at the dinner table and lead lovingly, correctly, and discipline accordingly. You're being the kind of leader that God expects you to be, the kind of parent that he wants you to be, that he's called you to be. And man, we all have been there before, kind of the do as I say, not as I do. Man, God has not called us to that. He's not called us to that kind of mentality. So commit wholeheartedly to these commands, the scripture says, wholeheartedly. To discipline more for attitude than actions. More for attitude than actions. For example, what you see a lot of times, dad comes home, son, I hear you were talking back to your mom. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. Your mom said you were. No, I wasn't. I wasn't back talking at all. Son, you can't back talk your mom. Whatever, dad. Son, I'm telling you, don't talk to me that way. Okay, whatever. You walk out of the room, think, well, I talked to him. Boy, you really showed him, didn't you? <laughs> What's the issue? The attitude. Tell your child to do something. That's what I want you to do. And they go, okay. And don't listen. Hey, I told you, I want you to go do such and such. <sighs> okay. And as they walk by you, they give you the evil eye. Ooh. Ooh. And Christian families, we should discipline more for attitude than actions. Children are going to mess up. There's times they need grace, no question. Actions do matter. I'm not saying we shouldn't discipline for actions. But man, that little attitude, oh, I'm going to go do it, Dad, but I want you to know I'm giving you that eye. <laughs> Bring the pain, man. Bring the pain, all right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it matters. And there's times 
in parenting, our children can make us so angry. And the Bible doesn't say never be angry. What it does say, it says be angry in sin not. Anger is a God-given emotion. And in fact, men, our default emotion, and God wired us this way, is anger. I think he made us that way to protect our families. And so maybe you have a quick temper. That can be an issue. Maybe you have some anger issues, and that might be a different story. But when it comes to our anger, don't discipline in anger. Why? Man, we're too emotionally charged in that moment. We may do some things and say some things that we shouldn't do. Should we discipline? Yes. But maybe it's time you take a breather. Maybe you need to go on a walk. Maybe you need to just get out of the house for a moment and go, okay, ask yourself this one question. And it helps. It helps give some clarity. It helps through our anger. Not saying you shouldn't be angry about it. How would Jesus want me to discipline my child right now? And that really brings some clarity. It really helps me go, you know what? I need to discipline my child. There may be times you need to show some grace to your child in a situation. But instead of disciplining them in anger and doing something that would hurt them, Um, you can discipline them correctly. Proverbs tells us this, Proverbs 13, 24, those who spare the rod of the discipline hate their child. For those, for those who love their children care enough to discipline them. We, as parents, we discipline our children out of love. And here's number five. We discipline properly with instruction. We need to give them instruction. And in fact, Colossians, which was the base text of this, um, of this series in Colossians, but also Ephesians 6, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Instruction. So when you have to discipline your child, make it clearly known to them why they're being disciplined. Now, if they're, they're older, they probably already know, but when they're younger and they're trying to gather and, and, and figure out, why am I being disciplined? They may not want to admit that they're even wrong. They need to see that they are wrong. They need to see that, you know, in their minds, well, I, I hit my brother or sister because they took something from me, and you got to teach them. Like, no, you don't hit over someone taking um, your Barbie or taking your toy truck and, and figuring those things out, how to deal with problems in their life. And so that's important. So we give them instruction. We show them. As they are a little bit older, we give instruction differently. We give it more precisely. We have those frank talks with our our children. Listen, your children are older. Moms and dads, you need to have those uncomfortable conversations with them. You do. You need to. They need to hear that from you. It may be uncomfortable for you. It may be uncomfortable for them. But it can save a whole lot of pain and hurt when um, when you have those talks. And you give those instructions out of love and out of care, and they hear it, they know it. But secondly, when you give instruction when punishment is due, you also show them that, that, they, that this, out of a spirit of reconciliation. And what it does is it gives them a picture of the gospel even when they're little. That as you're sitting with them, and maybe you're giving them a paddle, maybe they're being disciplined in some way, that you're making clear of what they did wrong. You're making it clear that they needed to apologize to their brother or sister or even to you. 
You're making it clear that of why you're, you're disciplining them, that you love them, you don't like doing this, but you love them enough, you want them to do right. And then afterward, afterward, they may not want a hug, they may not want to be around you, but, but the fact they hear, you're allowed now out of your room, you can go back, but I want you to know I love you and I care for you, and you hug them, and that you've forgiven them, and it's time for them. What are you doing? You're showing them the gospel. They're seeing the gospel. They may not understand it completely. They may be too young to really grasp the gospel completely, but they're seeing it, they're feeling it, and they're experiencing it in their life. Parenting isn't easy. It's not. But I want you to know that God loves us, that God is our heavenly father. And every family, every family it is precious to him. And he wants to see your family, he wants to see it flourish. We live in a world today that puts off shows that show the father always as the village idiot in the family. that the kids usually know more than the parents. That's really the TV shows we have today. We have an attack on what even a family looks like today. And while I can't help that, and you can't necessarily help that, the material that the world puts out, I can read the Word of God that instructs me as a father as a parent on what to do. And I will stand before the Lord and I will answer for how I led my family. And so will you. And thankfully, God, He does show grace and mercy to us. But it's wise if we were to listen to God's word because well God may forgive us as parents for messing up from time to time unfortunately God doesn't always save us from the consequences of bad parenting and you only get so much time maybe you're here and you're single and you're like man I should have skipped today like it is about parenting today one day you may be a father you may be a mother. I pray maybe just something that the Holy Spirit will use has stuck in your mind. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we have this time of reflection together. Father, thank you for thank you for making me a father. Thank you for my children my family I pray that you will continue to give every each and every one of us as parents wisdom and discernment especially when we are uncertain about what to do or how to lead or what to say to our children I pray that when our children may be difficult to 
love or to be around that our children will see just how much we really truly do love them and that we care for them I pray for their marriages I pray for you'll bring the right person into their lives that they can marry and grow old with and have children I pray that as we well, you with all their heart, soul, and mind, that they will see it in their parents as well. God, we ask for your blessing. We ask for your help. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.